This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's blooming freezing outside. It certainly wasn't pleasant. And it was very misty. Very misty out there. So be careful if you're setting off on your journey and you're out in the suburbs because it really is terrible. Make sure that, you know, you can see through the windscreen, for God's sake. Collecting your Amazon parcels at the post office seems like a brilliant idea, doesn't it? I don't have any problem with Amazon. We've never lost anything up until now. Sleeping naked could cut your risk of diabetes. <laughs> yeah, right. I've been sleeping naked for years. Well, I mean, not completely naked. I mean, obviously, got me winciettes on. Uh, the world's most inspiring women. Over 40, you definitely can't have a mortgage. Uh, meltdown in the jungle. Brooklyn Beckham's had an earring put in. A little bit girly. And um, the pensioner who spends two nights in the cell for hitting her husband with a magazine. Couldn't make it up, could you really? And yoghurt can boost diabetes. Yeah, it could sort of take away the, uh, the problems of diabetes. And uh, what else do we have? Oh, yes, the lady in the lake. I'll have to refresh your memory on who the lady in the lake is. But it's the first or was, the first pathologist picture of the body taken out. It was all wrapped up in plastic. But because of the gases inside the body over the years, she's ballooned to the size of a, a small a small zeppelin. Uh, the Maddie cops ignored the lake tip-off, and that Colosseum yob over in Rome has been fined £16,000. Of course, he's unemployed, ladies and gentlemen, has no intention of paying Hang him. Hang him. He'll be about the fourth person who's been fined for defacing a monument. Who are these? Two of the others are Australian. Now, I mean, generally speaking, we don't have too much truck with Australians. But, I mean, if they start going abroad and start defacing things, I think we have to take matters into our own hand. They have to be flogged and put in front of the wild animals in the Colosseum. I think we should set badgers upon them and stuff like that. Um, plus, we've got your texts and emails. 84850 steve at uh, Ian Camfield is uh, is doing his annual viewing of Christmas in Connecticut. He said, I watch it every year since I heard you talk about it on LBC ages ago. Isn't it just a great film? Isn't it a great film, Ian? I think it's just... It just it's Christmas for me. It's a story of a, a woman who works for a magazine. Uh, she's single, and she writes for this magazine, beautifully done, about her Christmas. And Christmas for her, you know, she talks about the farm that they live on and the animals. And as I look out of my kitchen window, I can see the sheep and I can, all this kind of stuff. And uh, today I'm baking on my big kitchen table a Christmas pudding and we're having a turkey with all the trimmings. In fact, she lives in a very small apartment in New York. It's like a little bedsit. Uh, but so she's she's fantasised over the whole thing. But the, the man who owns the newspapers is a bit like a, a Randolph Hearst character decides that as a treat for one of the boys coming back from war, they're going to send him to her farm. Well, of course, she doesn't have a farm. He doesn't know she doesn't have a farm. She's got to find a farm pretty quickly and children. And therein lies the problem. It's a super film. It's got Christmas stamped all over it, the snow and sleigh bells. And, and it's just just makes you feel all Christmassy. It's all quite nice, actually. It's really, really good. 84850, steve at And then Coach Trip. I've got somebody from Coach Trip who listens to this programme. Somebody actually on the Coach Trip at the moment, which is doing very well. And once I found the thing, where is it? Oh, actually, and then Christopher, because I, I tweeted yesterday and said that I thought the Take That song was really good. The dancing was a bit, bit naff, but the Take That single is actually very good indeed. And uh, then Anthony says, I think you should interview Gemma Collins. I'm having you section straight away. <laughs> and somebody who's on coach trip 
Can't believe somebody on Coach Trip, Adam, listens to this programme and he says, uh, I hope you get the time to catch me and at Jack's the lad on at Coach Trip. So, of course, I don't know anybody is on Coach Trip at the moment. I haven't seen it properly. I've only watched little tiny bits. So I, I've looked at a picture of him. It doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. But uh, And I've sort of had, had a look at his photos, and he hasn't got any photos. He's only got 25 followers, poor soul. So it's Jack and Adam on the Coach Trip on Channel 4 now. What they do for a living, I've got no idea. I'm only hazarding a guess. So, Adam, we're with you all the way. OK? Anyway, apart from that, we've got the papers... Uh, this weekend for In Conversation, I might as well tell you now, actually, I know it's only Tuesday, but we, we had a big discussion the other day, and uh, we've decided it's the girls' turn this weekend. So you're going to get Sarah Millican, new DVD out, love Sarah Millican, love Sarah. We did Harry Hill yesterday, and he reminded me that it's about a year ago since he came in. And then I was offered Joe Brand for today, and it's about a year ago since she came in, but I can't record Joe Brand today, so we'll reschedule that one. So Sarah Millican came in, and we seem to do her about every year. She pops in, and we have a good old natter. I can't tell you what we nattered about, but it's, it always makes me laugh. And also, who else we got this week? Oh, the lovely Nadia Sawala. Yeah, she's got a cookbook out. Uh, and again... We, la- we laughed through that interview. I spent most of my time on the floor with Harry Hill. When I say actually on the floor, I was laughing. The 18-year-old man was oh, shot Lord. in the... That's exciting. And, uh, words from above, hello. And, um, so I did laugh with Harry Hill. I mean, all the way through, we laughed. I, don't, I, I can't tell you why. I just, <laughs> when I look back on it, it just seems so stupid. We just laughed about nothing in particular. But he's got a very similar sense of humour to me. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, the glass at Tower Bridge about is cracked. Somebody dropped a bottle on it on Friday night. What sort of person goes out, ladies and gentlemen, with a bottle on Friday night? OK, start the list here. Start the list here. Uh, Steve Austin. Been back to, to see Paul Heaton and Jackie Abbott. If you get a chance to see them, Steve, they are brilliant. Which is good. Thank you. A lot of people booed Take That when they did The X Factor. Because it has turned into just a plug programme. And so they stick them on there, and it was it was good. But the single was very good. Whether they were singing live or miming, I think, is possibly up for debate. I suspect, because of the harmonies, they were miming. I just thought it just didn't sound like they were singing live. The dance the, the dance routine was a little bit off kilter, I'm afraid. They, you know, you don't want to look too daft doing uh, doing a dance routine, do you? Uh, so we'll weave in all your texts and emails on the programme this morning. We can have a nice time, actually. I, I feel I feel a good programme coming up. I feel a very good programme coming up. And uh, we watched an, an excellent TV programme, says Noreen, 9pm, BBC Two. Uh, posh people inside Tatler. You may like it. She says, I'm meeting up with friends in London today. So uh, she said, no doubt I'll get lost. <laughs> Yes. Flu and viruses. Oh, it's dreadful, isn't it? Oh, dear me, dear me, dear me. It's doing the rounds. Who did I bump into yesterday? A friend of mine, he said, oh, psh. I said, what's the matter? He said, oh, no, I just feel awful. It's doing the rounds, so wrap up. And you'll need to wrap up warm today. They say the temperature's going to drop down to about minus four degrees. Minus four degrees. Uh, strictly reject Steve Backshall. Wishes he could have got rid of Ola Jordan to get Anton Dubeck. Yeah, old Tony Beak's available for anything. Whether he'll dance with a man, I don't know. But better than Ola Jordan. Oh, I'm so bored with Ola Jordan. Just go inside, dear, tuck him away and keep quiet. You and your dreary husband. Uh, and who's rich in the popsicle world? Justin Bieber? 51 million. 
Funny thing is, One Direction number two is 48 million. That's not each. That's shared between all of them. There's five of them. So they're way down the list. Bruno Mars, 38 million. Rihanna, 30 million. Taylor Swift, 41 million. I mean, it's odd, because she's by herself. She's got far more money than One Direction, practically put together. Miley Cyrus, 23 million. Lady Gaga, for all that publicity, only 21 million. I know it's only 21 million. DJ Avicii, 16.5. Something called Skrillex. What in God's name is Skrillex? Skrillex is what? He's a DJ. How's a DJ made 11 million? Is he very popular? He... Oh, he plays dubstep music. Oh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. He plays dubstep music, whatever that is. Is that similar to House Garage and all the rest of it? Dubstep is a bit dirtier and harder. See, I'm so out of touch. In my day, it was so simple. Reggae, that, that's Hell's Angel-type music, like Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Or there was Tamla Motown, and that was about it. Skrillex. 11 million Skrillex has got. It's a man, incidentally, in case you didn't know. Uh, the BBC's somebody called Steph... Steph McGovern, uh, she's obviously got one of those rough voices. Because somebody sent her 20 quid. She's obviously got a new agent and they're trying to find some way of trying to push her within the BBC. OK, you've had your publicity, now go away. Why can't these people just get on and do their jobs? What are these, uh, this, it's, I was saying to somebody in the office yesterday, somebody said to me, I can't work out why I don't like Susanna Reid. And I said, well, join the rest of the country. They don't seem to like her either. But you can't quite put your finger on. And he said to me, he said, I don't know if it's because she's smug... Or if it's because every aspect of her life she has to sell. Somebody's criticised Jack Cockings, who used to be married to uh, Mel What's-Her-Face, what's who's in the jungle. And uh, one of her ex-boyfriends has criticised him for selling a story about her. Which, of course, is hilarious. Because Melanie Sykes sells every aspect of her life. Every single thing. She sneezes, she breaks wind, she'll sell the story. You know, she's one of those desperados out there. And then we had a bit of a bit of a rumpus in the jungle the other day. A bit of an argument. Playboy model, failed old has-been. Actually, she's so good, her husband went off with a transvestite. That's how funny it is. She's obviously that hot. Yeah, really. So, uh, who'd you fancy, darling? A transvestite. So he's, he's disappeared off with her. And then apparently, Kendra... Because nobody knows who she is. Even in America, they've got no idea who she is. Uh, and Edwina Curry had a bit of a bust-up. Why? No, no, the bust-up was over. Apparently, Kendra's socks were picked up by Edwina by mistake, and so Kendra couldn't find them, and Edwina had picked them up by mistake. She didn't know. And so there was plenty of finger-pointing, and uh, then Kendra claimed people shouldn't live life through other people. Go away, you silly little nobody. You're nobody. Go away. Go back to your tarty little life in America. Edwina, who always, uh, always admits welcoming a debate, disagreed, telling Kendra sometimes you had to make decisions that benefit others. Somebody said, Kendra and Edwina from different backgrounds and don't see eye to eye. Yeah, Kendra's a tart. Edwina's a, a failed uh, woman on the side. You know, a, a not, not, not just a one-night stand with John Major, a ten-year full-blown affair with John Major. And then she wrote about it, sort of, in some of her novels. But Kendra, darling, you're nobody. OK, nobody. Just try and remember that. Quarter past four. This is LBC. Ferrari, the team at seven, as Theresa May suggests, schools need to be educating pupils on radicalisation. Nickel want to know, can you de-radicalise a terrorist? Plus, why is Channel 4 screening a documentary that suggests paedophilia can be treated like addiction therapy? And the latest on our Lee Rigby memorial campaign. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning at seven. 
After the morning news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. Looking at the papers today, Chris Blackhurst, Group Content Director, The Independent, I, Evening Standard, London Live TV. The list goes on. If he gets anything else there, I mean, it'll take me forever and a day to read it. But he's going to be with Nick uh, for this morning. Uh, more in America. I never understand, I never understand if I live to be 35, why... Something happens in America like a shooting, almost on an hourly basis, it should be pointed out to you. And the next thing is, they have to call for calm. Why does rioting and looting solve the problem? What is the point? Are these people who are particularly thick and stupid, they think that rioting and looting... Obama's had to call for calm because there was a young man shot dead... And it was a case of, you know, people then think to sort of avenge... It's just an excuse to go out and thieve, isn't it? That's what it is. They go, yeah, we're thieving because... Um, because, well, we don't know why. We're just thieving because we thief. And that's what we do. It's not normal people. It's they're, they're generally convicted criminals anyway. And they go out there and they loot and they set fire to things. And, and you think, you're just disrupting other people's lives. It's like the other day, there was this big, big dilemma, wasn't there, on the police shooting a 12-year-old... Boy, his father says, why didn't they taser him? Because they thought he had a gun, fool. They thought he had a gun. It looks like a gun. I've looked at the pictures of it on the internet. I mean, I could not tell the difference. They, he sits there on a swing in a town, in a city, Ohio, where they've got a lot of gun crime. They've got a lot of gangs. You know, people think they're big with a gun. And so he's there because they'd had reports that he was swinging back. Well, he's got this gun. They don't know it's fake. I defy anybody. We said yesterday, nobody's got any idea at all. And um, and it was a case of, they said, put your hands up. Twice they asked him. Twice they asked this 12-year-old boy, who was so arrogant. He was so arrogant that he obviously had no respect for the police at all. Which is a dreadful situation, isn't it? And he obviously thought he was being terribly clever. And then, fool upon fool, he reaches for his gun, which is tucked into his belt. And the police go... In a second, you've got to make a decision. Is that a loaded gun? Is he going to fire at them? Because he didn't put his hands up. He didn't seem to, you know, go... It's, it's a toy, like, like a 12-year-old would do. You know, if, if you're a 12-year-old and somebody goes, is that a gun there? You go, no, it's a toy gun. Look, it's caps. Bang. Caps. Caps. It's a cap gun. I'm a 12-year-old boy. Over there, they have replica guns at 12. Don't want to go over there, do you, anytime soon? And so he reaches for it. They have to make that split decision... And so they fire. I mean, admittedly, they might have been able to taser, but just supposing that had been a loaded gun, you'd be looking at police officers dead by now. A 12-year-old boy's got an imitation gun. Does his father know he had an imitation gun? Blimey, at that age, I had a bow and arrow. I think, actually, it was a bow. I don't know. I might have had a gun as well. I think it was a pretend gun. Because I remember going, pew, 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 like you do when you're playing cowboys and Indians. Although, strange enough, I always wanted to be the downtrodden Indian. You know, I wanted to be the squaw who lived in the teepee. I was that kind of person. But nowadays, they carry guns. You know, they've all got mobile phones and they carry guns. But it's no good. You know, Dad saying afterwards, why didn't they taser him? They thought he had a gun. They thought he had a gun. He pulled a pistol. I mean, what did, I mean, why did he not just say to them, it's a fake? Must have the biggest shock of his life when he was shot, mustn't it? First time and then the second time. They're not taking any chances over there. You watch. Next thing is they'll be looting and rioting and people setting fire to cars. I don't quite understand why that solves a problem. It's like some, something happens to somebody. It doesn't matter what it is. And all of a sudden people want compensation. Give me compensation. You know, and you think, why, why do you want compensation? Does that make it better? 
Does that make it better? Well, of course it doesn't make it better. Ian Highland, good as always. I'll come round to him a little bit uh, later on. Ernie says, I want to ask all shoppers not to use the self-service tills because they'll be doing somebody out of a job. Use the self-service tills. I use them all the time. Use them all the time, the self-service tills, because they're absolutely so much easier and better. You don't have to put it with somebody who's total indifference. I went to Robert Dias in Richmond the other day, and I bought a frying pan. Well, the girl couldn't have been less interested if I'd been standing there stark naked in front of her. They always ask you the same dumb questions, OK? I've just bought a frying pan. Do you need a bag for that? I thought, no, I'll clout you over the head with it. What do you think? Of course I want a bag. What are you, so hard up, you can't afford a bag? But she was so indifferent. You know, no please or thank you or nothing. I felt a bit disappointed, actually, because I've always had really good service in Robert Dyer, so I always go in there for lots of, lots of you know, bits and pieces like light bulbs and things that you never actually knew that you, you needed. Um, Ian says, I've become addicted to storage wars and baggage battles. I haven't seen baggage battles. I've seen storage wars. That's where the man talks in a strange way. Whatever it is. I can't... Or whatever that kind of stuff is. And it works in America. Over here, they just look a bit dodgy, don't they? All the people who are over there on storage wars, the one that's filmed for this country, they look like, you know, if they come knocking on your door, you've got the place electrified immediately and you've got them on CCTV and you've called the police. Because they don't look trustworthy at all. They just look like complete chavs and naffos. Um... <clears throat> Uh, tis, you're right, it's a very sad life you lead. Uh, Steve, went to the Shard on Saturday, very enjoyed it, found it strange at the top viewing point how low the glass was. Somebody stupid could climb over and jump over or throw something over. I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could. I'm sure at some point they probably will. But uh, I haven't been up there. I'm not very good with heights, as you all know. I'm, I'm a little bit rubbish at things like that. I'm not even good standing on a chair. I'm really not good standing on a chair. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You can get co- you can go co- Yeah, a friend of mine did the cocktails on the 32nd, but he thought it was quite good. Like, did you? Wow. How much did you spend? 60-odd pounds. Wow. How much are there for cocktails? Is how much they are each? Blimey. It's a bit pricey. I spoke to one of, uh, one of my friends, actually, and he said he, he went to a, a lap-dancing club the other day. And I said, oh, I always get quite worried because you know how, how not inexpensive they are. And I said, how much did you spend? He said, luckily, only 120 quid. I thought, blimey, 120 quid. I mean, that's a lot of kebabs. That's a lot of fish and chips. It really is. Uh, coming up, the sports personality of the year. Somebody sent me a really strange email the other day. Obviously, she was a bit, a bit on medication because I said I didn't understand motor racing. I, didn't, I, I can't quite understand what the appeal is. Bloke puts his foot down on the accelerator and people in the stands go, wow, wow, and that's it. And it's all very dreary and boring. So she wrote to me, as I say, she was probably writing from some secure unit somewhere, and, uh, and said, quite clearly, you've got it in for Lewis Hamilton. I thought, well, either you're deaf as a poster or you really are as stupid as I thought you were. I explained, you know, about countless times yesterday how I don't understand motor racing. I couldn't care less if it's Roger Rabbit driving the thing. Or a parrot. I just don't understand motor racing. Anybody who watches it, I always think it's slightly out to lunch. What's the point of watching it? It's very expensive. You know, people go there and they think you have to go. But it's not like going to polo or watching something really intelligent. This is just people spending a lot of money watching blurred adverts going round. And they have people and they have a pit stop and and they do that. And it's worth millions. For what purpose? For what purpose? Is there any actual real purpose in being able to drive a car at 170 mile an hour or whatever it is they're doing? Is there any, isn't there any purpose in that? Or are we waiting for the accidents? 
84850, steve at So on the light of that, they've got the personality of the year coming up very shortly. And here they all are. The names in the frames. Joe Pavey. Not a clue. Not a clue, I'm afraid. Apparently, athletics. 33 to 1. Adam Peaty. No, not a clue. 100 to 1. He's a swimmer. Max Whitlock. No, not a clue. Gymnastics. Lizzie Yarnold. No, skeleton, apparently. What's that? Does she play a skeleton? A Winter Olympic... What's... Oh, the one-person bobsleigh. How dull. Oh, right. Oh, it's like a tea tray. Well, she's 80 to 1, so quite clearly there's no no chance there. Kelly, she won't... I couldn't kill us. I've never heard of her. Heavens above, honestly. Kelly, <laughs> Kelly, I've got cups and medals at home. Over 35, new to sleep frog team. I was team captain, two years running. Kelly Gallagher, skiing. Never heard of her. 100 to 1. Lewis Hamilton... Don't know, thinks he's some celebrity, apparently. Three to one. So he's obviously odds on favourite, isn't he? Rory McElroy. Golf. Isn't it one of his exes who's out in the jungle? Gareth Bale, apparently he's a footballer. Twenty to I have heard of him, twenty to one. Charlotte Dujardin. Go on, who's that? Charlotte Dujar Dujardin. As in Dudar Dudar Day, I suppose. I don't know. Who do you think she is? You've got no don't cheat. Don't cheat by going onto the internet. You don't know who she is, do you? You don't. Is there, you're cheating. You're cheating now. Horse riding. No, it's not a sport, is it? That's dressage. Hello. So the horse is going to lift one leg up and then down, and one leg up and then down. Who cares? What's the point of it? Carl Frosch. Boxing. Sorry? Frotch. Right. Well, he didn't stand much of a chance. 100 to 1. No chance. So, I mean, quite clearly, it's going to be Lewis Hamilton, isn't it? And we'll have to put up with his dreary girlfriend who advertises yoghurt. And just about anything else she can get her hands on. So, there you go. That's me destroyed that one fairly simply, I think. I don't know half the people. Why should you have to know half of them? Uh, Mel and Chesa unlikely to duet. Of course they are, because neither can sing. That's what it is. It's all studio produced. And, um... I don't know whether or not this is one of uh, old Chesa's, uh quotes. Talent doesn't have anything to do with how you look. All those polls, who looks better? You never see two men in the same suit, do you? Do you know, I tell you, those council estates have got a lot to answer for. They really have. It's all very exciting, though. And uh, Cheryl is still married. Cheryl Vassini Versace Spagbol. She's uh, out there and she's doing it for the girls because uh, because you're worth it. I know. Just such a ghastly accent, though, isn't it? Anyway, you can see what kind of mood I'm in. In a moment, seeing for the first time the body of school teacher Carol Parks, who vanished in 1970... Oh, blimey. Vanished in 1976. I'll tell you that sad story and why she was the lady in the lake who might have one last secret. All coming up next. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. You well? I don't really care. I'm just asking because it's apparently polite. You know, whenever you bump into somebody upset, you well? And then they start boring you, don't they, with their sort of <laughs> their, their medical history. I do that to people all the time. All the time. Um, as a taser-trained police officer, says David, in London, you're taught not to taser someone with a gun in their hand as the electroshock can cause the trigger finger to discharge the gun. I don't, do they use tasers in America? I mean, I'm, I'm, perhaps I'm being incredibly naive. I don't know if they use them. They do use them. But, the, but when you've got a kid sitting on a swing and you've said twice, put your hands up, 
you know, obviously to keep them well away from the gun that they can quite clearly see. And then they're supposed to work out. I mean, whilst, you know, one side of me is going, all right, it's in America. Thank God I don't live there. Thank God it's not got that bad over here. You think to yourself, if 12-year-olds are going around with replica guns, what hope for the police officers? What hope? We've seen all the television programmes where they go up to a car, the next thing somebody gets out and starts firing indiscriminately at them. So what are they supposed to do? You know, you get a 12-year-old boy. They don't know he's 12. He's just a lad sitting there and they can see a gun and he reaches for it. They have to make that decision. And I'm sorry, they made the decision. Because otherwise you'd be looking at two dead police officers. He might have been adept at using this thing. Who knows? You don't know. You can't take the risk. You cannot take the risk. Julie, thank you for that one. Um, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, something else here. This is, uh, oh, from Pat, talking about the film. The Christmas film is Christmas in Connecticut. It's a black and white film. You'll love it. And the other one you've got to get and add to your collection is The Bishop's Wife. The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant, who plays an angel who comes down from heaven to sort out David Niven and his wife's problems. And uh, that, that'll keep you happy o- over Christmas. You know, just because I think it, uh, just because I think it does. You have to watch, says Judith, a place called Home on BBC Two, three o'clock the afternoon, set in 1950s rural Australia. Couldn't wait for the next episode, so binge watched um, the whole first series online. I know you will love it. Totally agree with you about the ghastly Kendra nobody. What a potty mouth. Hmm. She says also I've had to change my listening pattern so I can listen to your programme. You can podcast me. I get podcast and listening figures, so... I get, I get double bubble. I've often wondered, and every so often the papers try and come up with an idea of, uh, of sort of sussing people out. In other words, what they'll do, they'll, they'll think, right, we've got nothing to run with at the moment. I'll tell you what, let's see how good premiership footballers are at responding to a request from an autograph hunter. And so they wrote to 60 players. They wrote to three players at each of the league's 20 clubs asking for their autograph. Out of the 60 people they wrote to, how many bothered replying? 18. The rest probably couldn't read, I should imagine. I mean, the 70% of Premiership stars don't bother to send an autograph when asked by a fan. Not one word from Man City, but Rooney and players at Rivals United score better. All you've got to do, I mean, we don't have photographs. You know, but all of the, these players will have photo cards, which they will sit down, and when they've got a spare moment, they just sit at home and they sign them, and then they give them to the club, and the club pop them in envelopes. It's as simple as that. But uh, most of these people could not be bothered. Each letter was exactly the same, handwritten, and they were marked personal, so you know that they get to them. They've got pigeonholes. It says, I love watching you play and be really pleased if you could send me your autograph. I've written my address on a stamped addressed envelope, so you can send it back to me. Thanks. So, in other words, they don't even have to write an envelope out. All they've got to do is take the, the, the photo and write to Mark or whoever it is on it and stick it in an envelope. No response from uh, Diego Costa uh, and, and loads of other people. I mean, it's a shame, really, that the people who pay their wages, in this case, of course, it was journalists, you know, by buying season tickets at up to about £2,000, can't even get an autograph card from them because they're too bone-idle. I wouldn't mind if they were playing every day. Or if they like, it's so funny, because you know that we love Ian Highland, and he does talk in his column today about Gemma Collins. There you go. It's only been so far into the programme, and already we're talking about Gemma Collins. And um, he says here, it's it's very interesting 
that uh, Gemma Collins turned up and said, I'm only here uh, for a rest. He said, a rest from what? What do you do? The answer is she doesn't do nothing. Anything. Sorry, God, blow, I fall into that dreadful trap again. And um, she, she says, that Gemma says, apparently before going on the show, she was asked to sum herself up in two words. She said, giant flake. The producers assume chocolate and the rest is farcical history. He says, at this point, I have roughly the same chance of recovering from that gag as Anton Deck have of turning this spluttering show around in the next two weeks. They're trying their best. Sadly, even Ant's shirt maker has been given the better material to work with than they have. The Big Brother style secret tasks haven't helped. They've merely protected the camp uh, trialees, the people there. Janet Street Porter turned up. Who turned up? Jan- Jack Whitehall. About as funny as uh, some dreadful illness. And Janet Street Porter and Richard Bacon on Have I Got News For You. It used to have really good politicians on it. Any show that sticks Janet Street Porter on, I mean, she was so past her sell-by date. I mean, years ago, but, uh, still out there. Uh, discussing public displays of patriotism on loose women. I'd have a flagpole if I could somebody somewhere to stick it. Sometimes she just walks into it. Sometimes she just walks into it. And um, another one here. This is uh, the Graham Norton Show. Jennifer Aniston had the question about Ollie Murr's latest showbiz award. How do you get rear of the year? I know. I think they just sit there because they can't be bothered to use the word ask, can they? That's that's, that's really what rear of the year makes it sound almost acceptable. Um, What's worth catching up with on the television? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. But Gemma Collins, Waste of Space, and Peter Andre has recorded a festive album which is available solely at Iceland stores. You can only imagine the yelling up and down the country on Christmas morning. When I said, Mum, I wanted a Frozen CD... So, I, did, I, did, I did take the mickey out of poor old Peter Andre, who doesn't see the irony of being sold in Iceland. Mince pies have gone again. I tried to have a look in there the other day. Dreadful. Dreadful. I wish they'd get them in. Uh, I agree with you, says Mark, about the pointlessness of Formula One. A very boring activity carried out by the pampered, overpaid, dreary so-called sportsmen with little or no personality. I can't work out how Lewis Hamilton, who comes from Stevenage, has that strange accent when he speaks. That's not how they sound in that town. I've never been to Stevenage. If I had, I'd make sure the car doors were locked. I certainly wouldn't be driving through any time soon. And also, have you noticed that it's all full of odd... Have you seen seen Bernie Eccleston? If ever a man looked like he'd wandered out of sort of the Italian job, he's it. He's it. I mean, what is he, 97, 98? Difficult to tell. And his barking mad family. I mean, let's face it, you know he's barking mad. His daughter doesn't know what toast is. And then the other day, you know, oh, I'd rather go naked than wear fur. She did an advert for Petter. And then turns out buying Fox... You know, earmuffs for her eight-month-old child. Fox earmuffs, I ask you. You know, £185. Lovely if you can afford 185 quid. I'm not questioning the money. I'm questioning the fact that some poor fox has had its fur ripped off its back to provide earmuffs for an eight-year-old child. I mean, there's something a bit stupid about Tamara Eccleston. You can't quite put your finger on it. Very wisely, her sister has stayed well out of the limelight, preferring to watch her other sister dig herself into the ground. Ian says, I wonder if most celebs have just one stage in their career where they can do no wrong when they're a critical and commercial success. Because somebody like Kylie's had several high points. Well, I think they all have a point, don't they, in their career where things are going very, very well and then they sort of drop out of the limelight because they, they decide that they don't want to do anything else. The money starts rolling in. I mean, like, to be honest with you, it was very nice to see with Dustin Hoffman and Dame Judy... And a couple of other people on Graham Norton, Ollie Murs. But frankly, I thought he was out of his depth. They don't know who he is. 
No idea. He's just some Essex boy who dances around. But years ago, we had JK, didn't we? JK used to sort of dance around like that and do a similar kind of thing. And I thought Ollie Murr's latest single was instantly forgettable. I mean, you know, he puts, he puts the effort in, but unfortunately it was, it was just not good enough. Mark says, just because it's all calm on the surface doesn't mean there ain't no crocodiles down below. There's a picture of crocodiles in the paper today. You can go down into one of these cage-type things and you can watch crocodiles who just lurk below the surface. I don't quite see the point of that one either, actually. Unless they're physically eating somebody, what's the fun of it? I mean, come on, at least at least you get to enjoy it as you hear the screams of somebody as they're being dragged under. You never get friendly crocodiles, do you? They never, you, you can't tame crocodiles. to do. You can get them to do things, but at the, at the end of the day, they're a wild animal. Bumblebees are the same. You don't find people saying, look, I brought my pet bumblebee to school. That doesn't happen either. I tried to befriend an ant once, you remember. Well, you probably don't remember, but somebody very kindly bought me for Christmas an ant called Ant and it was £25 at London Zoo and you get a certificate of adoption and you get a photo of him and seriously and they tell you a bit about his life and I thought oh that's nice and he wrote and said hi I'm Ant you know blah blah I began to wonder if I was sharing him to be honest and uh, and, and my my Ant was obviously the strongest in the in the team because he was carrying the biggest leaf on the branch and uh, and he wrote to me for one Christmas and then he stopped writing so I went down to London Zoo to have a look, ZSL, and they've got, well, there's millions of them. They all look the same. All look the same. And they've got a piece of rope, and it goes across a thing, and you literally see all these ants walking backwards and forwards. They're following a trail. There are millions of them. I couldn't find mine at all. I couldn't find mine at all. It was one of those dreadful situations where I became quite depressed about ant. Not at all depressed about uh, Brooklyn Beckham getting an earring. They apparently went to do it, and luckily they were able to tell the press as quickly as possible that they went to have an earring piercing. Isn't that something very odd about a boy having an earring? Hello? You know? I mean, why would you want an earring? And apparently it was sort of like a diamond kind of thing. I don't know how old he is, mentally or physically, I'm really not too sure, but having an earring, so they went to Claire's Accessories. You'd think, actually, that uh, that old Vic would have her own place at home where you could just sort of do your own earrings, as opposed to having to go out into the real world. Quick time check for you, because I know you're worried about this on a Tuesday. It's getting ever nearer Christmas. Have you started ordering stuff in? You should have done. Most people I know have nearly finished. I'm terrible this year. This year I'm a little bit... Uh, it's not my fault. It's all the people I'm buying presents for. They haven't told me anything yet. Quarter to five. Eve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. I wondered why, actually, that Gareth Bale was nominated for Sports Personality of the Year. He's just decided to marry his childhood sweetheart, obviously working on the assumption that, sort of, you know, the child who is well-known at school for her parents not being married, uh, her parents are now going to get married, which is great. It's been his uh, sweetheart, this uh, this girl here, Emma Reese jones who's 24, since childhood. It's taken him long enough to get round to it, hasn't it? What do I... Bit short of money, are we, Gareth, or something like that? They met at school in Cardiff. And um, they might get hitched in their homeland, dear, or in Spain, where they live with their daughter. Oh, right, they don't even live here now. He lives in Spain. Does that make him a tax exile over there? I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. Um, other stories of the papers today. This is, um, this is new Three Lions striker, Sado Barahino. <laughs> Not bad. He's facing jail after being nicked allegedly drink-driving up to 110 miles an hour. What's it with these stupid blooming footballers? Nicked at 3.39am. Not so good, is it? Not so good. Uh, Paul Gazza Gascoigne, hilariously funny, not, has revealed 
that he blew more than £300,000 battling the booze. He says, people don't realise I've spent £350,000 of my own money. Well, you're a bigger prat than I thought then, aren't you? So what happened to all that money that all your friends donated? So you had the money all the time, did you? Apparently. He says, if I opened a packet of wine gums, I'll finish the lot. And he said his biggest shame was getting hooked on the kids' medicine, Calpol. He says, I was drinking it, so it's got tiny amounts of alcohol in it. Calpol? Oh, God. But anyway, so he spent all this money, even though his pals chipped in £100,000 for rehab. Where does Paul Gazagas go and get 350000 quid for? He can't even afford a house. Perhaps he's living in this dream world. Perhaps it's still, you know, he's slightly off his, off his chump. Uh, very interesting, says Dawn, listening to your in-conversation with Hugh Bonneville on Tuesday night today. When you see this, I'm going to the week's recording of The Graham Norton Show. And it's got Hugh Bonneville on the show, Nicole Kidman and Julie Walters, all in the new Paddington. Uh, and Graham's musical guest is going to be Take That, so they'll be doing the new single, which is good. Will they be miming it or singing it live? Difficult to tell. I suspect, actually. I suspect that they'll, they'll be miming it. Uh, Adamant in Islington. That was the same day that Kevin the Milkman's son was supporting Adamant with the groom Brandy Row. Kevin emailed about it. I thought they were very good. And you mentioned on the show how Gino DeCampo was quitting Celebrity Juice. I thought he was only signed up for the series to cover for Holly Willoughby while she was away on maternity leave. I didn't think it was meant to be a, per- uh, a permanent thing. Yes, it is absolutely... It, well, put it this way, he was going to be regular on the show. He's been on the show loads of times. It had nothing to do with Holly Willoughby. This was the fact that his appearances on the show have led to contracts being cancelled. So, uh, absolutely true that he's decided he doesn't want to appear on the show again because it's, it's killing the, the family audience family audience side of it. I don't know how that works. I've really got no idea. But uh, I suppose if you appear on a show that's a little bit tacky, to say the least, with that ridiculous Keith Lemon uh, character, who does have another name. It's called Lee Francis, but apparently nobody's ever met Lee Francis. He's always playing Keith Lemon all the time. Must be slightly uh, paranoid, I suppose. Quite right about dumb staff, Stephen Shops. I was in a well-known store the other day, got to the checkout with about 20 items. The girl looked at me and said, would you like a bag? Was well, she really expected me to juggle my various items? Whenever they say that to me, I always go, I think so, don't you? You know, because they sort of, you know, you're standing there with 20 items. They go, do you need a bag? And you go, I think so. That's my way of being sarcastic and going, what are you, dumb or something? What do you think, I'll stick them in my pockets? These people are so... Perhaps they've been asked by the bosses. Asked them if they want to carry a bag. <laughs> Just stick it in a carrier bag, love, all right? Let's not try and be clever about it. Um, another one says, why do certain people seem to think that looting four pairs of Nike trainers will make the police stop shooting dangerous criminals? I want to protest about Tower Hamlets giving me parking tickets this year for stopping for 30 seconds to deliver a pint of milk. Maybe raiding Marks and Spencers for a couple of pairs of comfortable slippers and some paisley pyjamas could be my way of sending a message to the council. Good luck to the armed police. I wouldn't want to do it, says Gavin the Milkman. It is ridiculous, isn't it, that people go out and loot trainers. And the reason they're looting them is because they're thieves. They're just common thieves. They're nothing more, nothing... It's got nothing to do with whether or not they shot somebody, you know, or, or somebody was attacked on the street by police. It's got nothing to do with that. It's the fact that they are common thieves. You know, we saw that during the riots. People deliberately targeting shops. I mean, somewhere there was that rather stupid girl who was driving the getaway car for a group of men. You know, I mean, she was as thick as a brick, wasn't she? Why is it the uh, the well-heeled are even more stupid than you imagine? But uh, they are, they are. Ali Ross was talking about Gemma Collins. I can't do it! <laughs> and here she is. 
poor old uh, poor old Gemma Collins. He says, um, the lowest point is where all this year's pre-match hype had surrounded the supposed hypocrisy of campmate Burke, who previously criticised reality shows and described BBC's output as drivel. And uh, Nadia, best known for being an Irish TV personality. I know, you don't often hear those phrases together. Uh, Kendra, one of Hugh Hefner's girlfriends. Vicky Michelle, Yvette from Aloha Lo. And uh, Jimmy Bullard, playing Rocky from Mask. And Melanie Sykes, who's best known as Gino DeCampo's waitress. Though I must confess, I'm getting a surprising amount of pleasure, says Ali Ross, from watching Melanie very bravely try to keep a lid on a virtual strain of beautiful woman syndrome. Can't be easy when you always get your own way. Anyway, he says, let's be brutal. Now, the only real talking point from a dull first week was Towie's very own Mrs Creosote, Gemma Collins, who made her intentions clear day one when she fled the helicopter in tears and announced she was here for a rest. A rest from what, we all screamed. The fat bird just sits there and scoffs food. No talent at all. Ideally a rest from being a spineless, attention-seeking, fog-horning pain in the rear with a sense of entitlement as vast as her Kyber pass, I'd hoped. But it was not to be. Nor did she let up for one second with the professional victim routine which was put in its correct context by Craig Charles's bereavement. She's not entirely detached from popular public opinion, though. In fact, given the dark fantasies she was having about killing herself on day two, you could claim she'd read it in a book. I mean, it, it is ridiculous. The stupid woman, you know, the pathetic waste of space at the age of 33. An embarrassment. Not just to herself, because the only person she ever let down was herself, because it's all me, 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 me. She's probably sitting at home now, stuffing her face with things, going, I wish I could lose weight. And we're all going, well, you could if you tried. You could if you tried. She was a waste of space. She got her money. But very shortly, Gemma's career, like that of White D, will disappear completely. And we'll all be breathing a sigh of relief, because there'll be a few other little naffos that we'll have to put up with. It's a shame, really, isn't it? That, you know, even when she's got makeup on, she's ugly from the inside. With no makeup on, she's ugly on the outside and on the inside. Ali Ross seems to get it absolutely right each and every time. Katie Price writing on Twitter. I mean, that career's disappeared, hasn't it? As well as clogging up, says Dan Wooten, the timelines with her bad spelling and rants about her cheating hubby. She shamelessly uses the site to drum up attention where getting her boobs out isn't enough. And that now she's speculating on who, on Strictly Come Dancing, has been texting her. As I say, always desperate, poor little Katie Price, you know, for whom the world has passed her by now. Nobody's interested, nothing to do with fashion. She doesn't know anything about makeup. She knows nothing about anything at all. Really, she is possibly the worst dressed woman in the world. Her funny little Botoxed face, all this you know, stuff she's had done, ghastly. And then she's printed a picture of her with the children, which is lovely. That'll be three different fathers, of course, so you realise just where you're coming from, don't you? It's a bit like, I suppose, Kerry Katona. It's a bit like her. She's thinking of having children next year, and we're all terribly excited, very excited by the fact she's having more children, because she must be running out of ideas of how she's going to make a living. Because I don't think the husband seems to do anything. There's uh, Cocky Apprentice star David Lassman. Uh, He was buying a Ferrari in Colchester... Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I did watch a bit of The Apprentice this morning. I've come to the conclusion, they just tell fibs. They just tell fibs. They just said that. You can tell not, not one of them has got a clue. Not one of them has got a clue about what they're talking about. They're bluffing it. Yeah, we've got to have a name for this and that. And they, you think, nobody talks like that in the real world. Only in the world of fakes and frauds. And there they all are, the fakes and the frauds. Here it is. Weed. 
that's cannabis to you and I, a street value of £80 million grown in Kent. And the good news is, I did this story 35 years ago. 35 years ago. I, I know, difficult to believe I was only two still sitting in the pram doing goo-goo-goo-goo, and that was about it. And uh, I knew that they were growing cannabis in Kent commercially with government approval because they were thinking of either doing it for medicinal purposes or to actually bring out cannabis cigarettes. It's been licensed. They've come up with all the names for them as well, as you know, because you probably heard that on LBC a couple of weeks ago. But they're growing it here. Huge warehouses in the middle of Kent, the world's biggest cannabis farm, because they're trying to work out if it could be grown commercially, and it quite clearly can be grown commercially, and then they can turn it into ready-made cigarettes. So it's supposed to be able to sit there rolling this stuff up. You just go and buy a packet of cigarettes, and it'll be, you know, cannabis strain three or whatever it is. I frankly think it's the worst thing ever. I don't want to get into a bus or, you know, or sort of get into a taxi or something, you know, by somebody sitting there with a big spliff on. Thank you very much indeed. Not my idea of fun. I haven't had a chip butty since I was a kid, but after hearing you talk about chip butties the other day, I had a craving for one. So yesterday I had one or three, says Oliver. Before you mentioned ice water, I've got that on hand too. <laughs> chip butty. You can't beat chip butty. I'll tell you what's really nice, a chip butty with a bit of Thousand Island dressing or just, just ketchup. It's delicious. Absolutely delicious. It's so, so nice. It's so, so nice. Lots of pictures of um, mince pies because we're heading into, well, nearly Friday. Nearly Friday. And that means it's Black Friday, which means that you're going to be spending a small fortune out there. And why? Because you've got to get your shopping in before Christmas. I mean, frankly, I need all my friends and family, well, mainly family, to tell me what they want for Christmas. Because we're getting a bit near. And as I'm working on Christmas Day, I don't want to leave it to the last minute. Because normally I'm ahead of the game. I should have actually got everything in by now. But so far, nobody said it. Perhaps they don't want presents this year. Perhaps they don't want presents. We'll talk about that after the news, including Prince Harry twerking at uh, Lewis Hamilton's party. Does he ever do a day's work? That's not Prince Harry, that's Lewis Hamilton. I don't call driving a car a day's work. Sleeping naked could cut your risk of diabetes. The world's most inspiring women. What's the most magical job in Britain? Only five men do it. It's really nice, actually. And I thought about it this morning as I was coming into town. The uh, the Colosseum Yob, yes, in Rome, he um, did his initials in the brickwork. He's been fined £16,000. I had no intention of paying. I no pay. I no pay. Well, stick him in prison makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? The Maddie Cops ignored the lake tip-off. This is a new one we've not heard about before. And who will rule Yule? The television programmes that are coming to a TV set over the festive season. It's a right dreary bunch, I have to tell you, but I'll run through them after the news, which is next on LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, you're really nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning. It is cold. It is cold. The temperature could be in some parts of the country. They say down to about minus two. It certainly felt about minus four for me this morning. And loads of mists and fog patches out of town. So take care of your setting off on your journey. What's the most magical job in Britain? Only five people do it. And I've it's been the subject of comedy sketches before. It's, it's a lovely job to have. It really is. The world's most inspiring women will tell you about. Uh, the Coliseum Yob. 
He comes from Russia, I think. And he was over there. He doesn't work. He has no money at all. But he's flying backwards and forwards across the world, so you can only hazard a guess at what he does. And uh, he's been fined £16,000, putting his initials into the Colosseum. Who'll rule Yule? The television programmes. It really is a dreary outlook, I'm afraid. But at least you've got me on Christmas Day, so that's good. You don't need to turn on the television. Why would you need to turn on the telly? I have Steve Allen between 7 and, uh, and 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, so the celebrity jungle meltdown as the third star is set to quit. And apparently this, this could be, I don't know, a bit difficult, actually. Melanie Sykes is claiming some of her underwear's gone missing. Leave it alone, please, please. And uh, Cheryl Fernandez, Vecini, Versace, Spagbol, Duwa, Diddy, Diddy, I'm a mushroom. That's apparently cut off Nadine Coyle after years of furious rows. The X Factor judge made her feelings clear on Twitter, where she unfollowed the singer. I've told you before, don't ever be fooled by Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol. You know, she's quite a nasty piece of work. She's not, she's not the sweetness and light, and you're, because you're worth it. Not like that at all. That's just the show image. The rest of it is rough, tough, brought up in Newcastle. Don't mess with coal, let me tell you. Uh, what else? Oh, they, set, uh, they say that newsman Burke could be set to go. Oh, well, go then. Just don't talk about it. Just get on with it. You don't want to do the jungle? Get out. I'm so bored with the whole thing. It really is. It's very, very dreary. There's a couple who won a million pounds on the... I think they won it on the lottery. And what have they bought? A tumble dryer. If that's what they needed, you know, buy a tumble dryer. Give the money back. I hate people who do it. It's not going to change us. Give the money back. We're, we're just going to carry on. We don't want to give the money back now. It's a waste of time of even doing it. The whole idea of doing the lottery is actually so that it changes your life. And coming up to Christmas, a tumble drop. Mind you, if that's what they want, then buy it. But, I mean, at least go for the washing machine as well. Here she is, the cutie from the Saturdays going posh with Roche. This is Rochelle, voiced like a foghorn. Have you ever heard her talk? Oh, my God, Father. She makes Janet Street Porter seem cultured. I've never anything like it. It's no good just doing the posing thing if you sound like a bloke. It doesn't really happen, and I'm not really interested in sort of these funny little, funny little sort of outfit things that they put on and go, and this is my new collection. Like she's sat there on a drawing board doing drawings of things. She could probably do colouring in. I don't suspect she could probably do anything else at all. 84850, uk. Um... Apparently, the big cartel of businesses, says Des, have just made up Black Friday to make everybody go shopping. Um, it's, well, no, it started in America. It did start, this is supposed to be the day that you will spend the money before Christmas because you're coming to the end of the month, because there's only 30 days in this month, and you're getting to the end of it, and then you've only got the 25 days to Christmas, or 24, really, because nobody in their right mind, unless you're really daft, is going to go out on Christmas Eve and do shopping. You don't want to do shopping Christmas Eve. You want to sit in, you know, stick your, sink your sausage rolls in the oven, have some friends round, you know, watch a bit of Christmas telly, have a few glasses of Prosecco, and that's it. And then you prepare yourself for Christmas Day. There are some idiots who still on Christmas Eve will be rushing around the shops feverishly. They won't be LBC listeners, of course, or listeners to Steve Allen, but they will be people out there, people who probably listen to others. And they just can't get everything ready. You should, you know, men will rush into a store. There'll be somebody behind it. Should I get a test? Like that, you know. And they'll go, oh, we'll have that gift set. That'll do for the wife. It's in a pretty red and gold box. Can you gift wrap it? We certainly can. Of course we can. And, and they gift wrap it and then take it home. And the wife looks at it and thinks, I've been using the same perfume for years. And now he's tr- he obviously likes this one. So they put it on and go, phew, smells horrible. But I'll wear it because he obviously thinks it's, uh, it's a favourite. Because everything smells different on different people. Just understand, men, that women stick to one or two perfumes. They don't, 
don't, don't go out buying stuff because the woman on the perfume counter has got big bosoms and rests them on the counter in front of you. That's not the way to do it. You've got to find out what she, what she does. It's like most men have got no idea what their wife's size is. So they go in and they go, well, she's about your size. And then you get this thing home and you suddenly realise that at all like the assistant. At all like the assistant. But that's why, isn't it? That's why. You need to find out. Don't ever buy somebody a Christmas present without finding out if they want it. Because otherwise it's a waste. A total, I told you one year my brother bought me a jumper. I don't think anybody should ever buy me jumpers. I should buy me jumpers. And that's it. You know, you should never, ever buy somebody something. You think, they're not going to like that. <laughs> uh, 84850. Uh, they ask you if you need a bag because they charge you for it. Sneaky no, sneaky yes. No, they don't charge you for it. They're free. They're only, you only have to pay for them if you go to Marks and Spencer's. But if you go to somewhere like uh, Robert Dias, they're free, the carrier bags. You can have a little sandwich bag in Marks and Spencer's. That's free as well. There's a father in the paper today. He's a grandfather. And to be honest with you, he looks slightly dodgy. In the back of his house, he has built a huge complex. It's, I mean, it's enormous. It's 10,000 square feet. And the council official said, you haven't got any planning permission. I mean, I've, he, he's actually put in a 16-seat cinema he built for his children and grandchildren to, uh, to enjoy. We don't actually ask where he gets his money from, but once you've seen the furnishings, you'll have a rough idea. And he's also got a bowling alley. It's a bungalow, and it's got its own casino and a bar. It's what they call tacky, ladies and gentlemen. And the enforcement notice has come to him, saying, you can't put this up. And um, they say, we, we, we can't support this with planning permission. He's just rode... Uh, road, uh, so he's ridden roughshod over everybody. Anyway, um, some of the neighbours are unhappy with the height of the complex, clatter of the pins in the bowling alley, and quite clearly he's one of those people who just thinks he can do what he wants to do. He says, if all this fuss hadn't been kicked up, nobody would know it was there. It's 10,000 square feet. He's either very stupid, but he said he didn't think he needed permission, so he's just put it up. And uh, he says, you can't actually see it. It doesn't matter. It's there, and it's illegal, and it's coming down. That'll ruin your Christmas, isn't it? Apparently, Lidl sent beats Chanel. They say that if you can't afford the £70 designer perfume, a £4 brand smells identical. So says a money guru. So, I mean, somebody did say to me once, when you buy this perfume on the streets of London, and they're sort of knocking it out, pretending it's knocked off. It's not knocked off, it's just cheap rubbish. Uh, they did say, for what you pay for it, it's actually quite good value. It won't last as long as a proper perfume, but Martin Lewis, who I find somewhat creepy on the television, um, has said that Madame Glamour, Glamour is virtually indistinguishable from Chanel's Coco Mademoiselle. £4 in Lidl, £70 the Coco Chanel's Mademoiselle. And, but I remember years ago, people telling me that buying the perfume on the streets, mainly bought by themselves... You, you watch them, you'll see girls standing at the front handing over £20 notes for this perfume and then they go round the corner, empty the bags out and then go back and pretend to buy it again. Because it's the, it's the mentality, it's the, the sheep mentality. You see somebody buying it, you think, well, if they're buying it, it must be good. And he'll sell you five bottles of perfume for about 20 quid. It's worth about £3. But it's, it's still good. It's good for what it is. It's good value. If you want to give it to, you know, young 12, 13-year-olds, they like that kind of thing. But it just won't last. It doesn't have the shelf life anything else that because it's just cheap coloured water but for the purpose it's good you know you could wrap it all up it's easy to do and they'll be selling it in oxford street in fact i haven't been down oxford street for a while but i bet you anything most days of the week they're out there still doing the three card trick 
Still doing the three-card trick on the streets. I can't believe uh, 40 years it's been doing uh, things like that. Are you here for Christmas Day, Steve? Yes. Will you be opening up the phone lines? I don't know. I haven't quite decided yet. Might have to think about that one. But uh, I am here Christmas Day between 7 and 10. And I'm also uh, here on Boxing Day between 7 and 10. I don't know what you've done to deserve it. Uh, the controversial Christmas lineup. The festive highlights. The Incredible Adventures of Professor Branistorn, a children's uh, book adaptation with Harry Hill. Well, as I've just recorded Harry Hill, I can't say anything about it at all. The Boy in the Dress, the adaptation of David Walliams' book with Jennifer Saunders. Um, On Angel Wings, nativity animation based on the book by Michael Mapurgo. Uh, Doctor Who, you've got Call the Midwife. What is the obsession with Call the Midwife? I got into trouble yesterday. I, got, I didn't so much get into trouble, but Harry Hill was talking to me about the Generation Game. And I said, you know, it'd be nice to bring it back. And he said, well, it is coming back. And I said, oh, right. He said, it's coming back with Miranda. And I went, oh, what a woman doing the Generation Game. How does that work? Well, the producer of the programme, Charlie, nearly fell off a chair. Nearly fell off a chair. I said, but listen, traditionally, women do not do quiz shows. They can't do them. And I don't know whether you don't find Miranda funny or something like that. We don't find her funny. I don't find her funny either. It's apparently not not politically correct to say you don't find somebody funny. Harry Hill agreed that the best person was Bruce Forsyth. A good game, good game. You know, and over here, you know, and that was that was good fun. Even Larry Grayson was good. But Miranda, it's, it's called scraping the barrel a little bit. You've got Michael McIntyre's very Christmassy Christmas show. In other words, that will have been recorded about a month ago. <coughs> this is the Christmas show he got paid a small fortune for. Uh, Top Gear, there's a two-part Patagonia special. The Wrong Man's Christmas episode of the comedy thriller. Tiger, Tiger's about the house. What happened next? Nature series follow-up. That's when they've got these tigers in. It's not very festive, is it? <laughs> uh, a new natural history series unit. This is on BBC Two called the Snow Wolf Family and Me. Uh, Victoria Wood, the day we sang, a musical written and directed by her. Rick Mail's Lord of Misrule, celebration of Rick Mail's life. Judy Walters, a life on screen, a celebration of her career. Uh, Charlie Brooker's 2014 White Comic Roundup of the Year. Mrs. Brown's Boys. Oh, I'll tell you. I'm... Rather take a lot of paracetamol for this one. Miranda, final two episodes. Still open all hours with David Jason. Strictly Come Dancing Christmas special. Songs of Praise Christmas Big Sing. Bruce's Hall of Fame show. So Bruce's Force, our new show. The Choir, New Military Wives with Gareth Malone. Kiss Me Kate from this year's proms. War Horse from BBC Proms. And Sir Tim Rice, A Life in Song. What a dull line-up. There's not very much there that, that strikes me as being festive. Radio would be much more... I should be very festive. Very festive. On LBC. What makes me laugh that? Lawbreaker on line seven. Lawbreaker. I love it. Nick Ferrari this morning. As Theresa May suggests that schools need to educate pupils on radicalisation, Nick will want to know, can you de-radicalise a terrorist? Plus, why is Channel 4 screening a documentary that suggests paedophilia can be treated like addiction therapy? And the latest in our Lee Rigby Memorial campaign. Nick and the team from 7 on LBC this Tuesday morning, straight after morning news with Lisa Aziz. Chris Blackhurst, Group Content Director of the Independent, the ID Evening Stand and London Live Television and loads of other things. We'll be looking at the papers for this morning. It's very cold, very cold. Up in Aviemore, I suspect it's even colder. Carrier bags are only free, says David, in England. In Scotland, they cost 5p and have done so for the last month. 
I know. I mean, I've got loads of carrier bags at home. In theory, I should walk out with one every day, but I just can't be bothered. I cannot be bothered. There's a new look, Songs of Praise, on the television. I'm afraid I'm a bit old-fashioned. I like the old-fashioned Songs of Praise. The new one has been ridiculed as looking little more than the one show with hymns. And you know how boring the one show is. Uh, apparently, Akhil Ahmed, who's the BBC's head of religion, says the move to change this uh, programme is designed to attract younger viewers, many of whom attend Pentecostal, Catholic or other non-Anglican churches. Are they mad or what? I shouldn't imagine it gets an audience at all. I often wonder, I used to think to myself when I used to watch Songs of Praise, and I only used to watch it for the hymns, as I grew up, you know, as a, as a chorister singing in, in church and absolutely loved every minute of it. And, and I suddenly realised, I used to think, they're very busy, these churches, and I know for a fact that churches are not doing as well as they can, because people don't bother going to church anymore. You know, a lot of people go, oh, I can't be bothered to trek out there. Some people only go there for the warmth and the company and a cup of coffee afterwards and a chance of a chat with the vicar. And um, and then I realised that what they'll do is they'll say nominate the, uh, the the church in Twickenham. We have a lovely church at the end of Church Street. And they invite all the local churches round there. So all their congregations come to the one church. That's why they're always full. If it was there normally, the thing would be half empty, which is slightly disappointing. Uh, beginning to wish, Steve, that Gemma had stayed in the jungle. This mob are worse than boring, not even interesting. No, they're not, are they? They're just not interesting. I don't know why they're not interesting. Is it because they were all boring when they went in there? I mean, the only thing interesting was, was Gemma Collins, who always reminded me of Nicky from Big Brother, who was the one who cried all the time, and they showed a clip of her the other day on a programme. And I know she listens to this programme, as indeed does everybody. But anyway, she w- she listens to it, and she was doing a thing on Big Brother where... Um, they were all given, I think, uh, Walkmans to listen to music, and hers didn't work. And as opposed to just sort of going, it doesn't work, she had a complete breakdown on the television. It doesn't work! It doesn't work! It's not working! Why is it? Oh, it's working. And it was, as, it was as quick as that. And then she did a thing the other day on a fishing trawl. It's where they sent her out to do silly jobs. And this one was being a fisherman. Well, I mean, frankly, she was having the biggest meltdown I've ever seen on television. Anthony says, I could listen to you destroy Gemma Collins all day. I, I, well, it's, it's fairly popular in all the TV critics' columns, Gemma Collins being the biggest waste of space. I mean, the worst thing is, if she was a child, you could understand the petulance. If she was a child, you could understand just how she really doesn't know anything that's going on at all. But she's 33. You know, in seven years' time, she's going to be 40. You know, and that's kind of worrying. Uh, Jenny says, I do much of my Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. That's when the last-minute guests announce their arrival. See, I've, see, I work on the assumption that I've got stuff in the boot of my car so that I, I can always produce a present from the boot of the car. It's not too, not too difficult. Sarah Vine, writing in the mail today. It's quite a serious subject. Uh, she saw firsthand how dearly the Camerons loved their son. And that's why, she says, the food writer who sent heartless tweets is so cruel and such a hypocrite. This is hypocrite. This is Jack Munro, who was, uh, who really turns out to be a nasty piece of work. A really nasty piece of work. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read about the story to you. I'm just going to tell you that this Jack Munro, who's a woman, incidentally, it's got tattoos up its arms, so I think you know where we're coming from. And she's just... She's been so horrible to the Camerons, you can't believe it. What a horrible piece of work. Horrible piece of work. So I'm quite glad that Sarah Vine has written about it today, because I never liked this woman when I first saw her on the television. And she turned out to be even worse. Even worse. Tears of a girl taped to a chair by bullying teachers. This is in all the papers for today. And uh, yoghurt could stave off diabetes. I don't know what sort of yoghurt. I quite like yoghurt. 
fruit yoghurt? I shouldn't think so. How would that stave off diabetes? But they've done analysis. It's never here, though, is it? It's Harvard. And what they've said, that if you eat 28 grams daily, which is around a quarter of a small pot, that cuts the odds of developing the disease by almost a fifth. And, of course, not much use to me, because I've got diabetes. I am a diabetic. And so, you know, eating yoghurt's not going to make any difference at all. I wish somebody had told me this years ago. Why didn't they do this years and years ago and then say, you know, if you start eating yoghurt, you'll stave off diabetes? Because, to be brutally honest with you, the moment I was diagnosed, I was the happiest person in the world, because I didn't know what it was up until then. I had a horrible feeling that things were really going nasty. I mean, as it turned out, they were. But at least I knew what it was, and at least it was treatable, or at least we can keep it under control. But I've been a bit lax of late, I'm afraid. Boss is constantly saying to me, how are you? And I always smile, actually, because he was iller than I was last week. He's had this tonsillitis, and about three people have had tonsillitis, and that, that really lays you low. You know, one minute you've not got it, the next minute, within an hour, you've got it. Terrible. Uh, who are the world's most inspiring women? No big surprises on this, uh, this list. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe is on the list. How she was inspiring, I don't know. But uh, other people on there... Uh, Marie Curie, first woman to win, of course, the Nobel Prize, and won it twice. Suffragette Emmeline Pankhurst and Mother Teresa. Uh, Florence Nightingale came second, and Margaret Thatcher was third. Royals fared well. The Queen, Princess Diana, Queen Victoria, the Queen Mother, and Elizabeth I, all in the top 20. And um, it's interesting, because J.K. Rowling was also in the list. All these people here. So it was, it was Marie Curie who uh, who topped the list of inspiring women. I mean, the, but, I mean, how on earth you can compare Marie Curie to Marilyn Monroe or even Princess Margaret? I don't know. And the Queen Mother. I ended up talking about the Queen. Who did I talk about the Queen? Oh, that's right. When I was recording Harry Hill, I was talking about uh, the Queen Mother because I, I met her. Well, I say I met her, I stared into the back of her head for the whole of her performance of Phantom of the Opera with Michael Crawford. <laughs> It's my claim to fame. My claim to fame. Remember that job I told you about? What's the most magical job in Britain? Most magical... I mean, apart from, I don't know, erector of the Christmas tree in Trafalgar Square, that would be a magical job, putting the lights on there. Um, I can't think of anything that would really be... Being a road sweeper's not a magical job. Driving a, a London bus, Nicky, that'd be, that could be seen as a magical job sometimes. She drives the 176, as you know. Blonde, Nicky. And um, what would be a real magical job? Surprisingly, we have a number of these in London. Gas lamps. The last gas streetlights. Five men keep them burning just as they did in Dickens' day. Not the same men, but it is the most magical job in the country. Hyde Park has its own lamp lighters. But from Richmond Bridge in the west to Bromley by Bow in the east, there were 1,300 gas lights. And that's why... The lighting that we get from it is not as bright as it could be. Imagine what it used to be in the days of the smog in London, where, I mean, I've been in London, when literally you cannot see your hand in front of your face. And the light from the gas lamps is very sweet and it's very pretty, but it's not as strong as it could be. They should use LEDs. But secretly, in my heart of heart, I love the idea that we've got gas lamps in London. I don't like the idea that they knock down buildings in town, and they put up these monstrosities. Sometimes you look at the building and think, how on earth did you get planning permission for that? They look ghastly. They look ghastly. I thought the whole idea is that the tourists come here, they want to see our heritage. I mean, Leicester Square itself has changed dramatically over the years. (laughs) Um, Steve, uh, James, says, I think you have a crush on Gemma Collins. 
I don't, no, I think you're getting it wrong. I'd like to crush Gemma Collins. I'll get the steamroller now. <laughs> Somebody says, changing songs of praise. Another example of the BBC trying to socially engineer people's viewing habits. It's just political correctness gone mad. Exactly why do you need to change anything? It was perfectly acceptable before. You know, they, and then somebody else comes in and you go, oh, so why are you telling us how to have a religious programme? You don't do them very well anyway. Time, I think, to dust off the board game, says Lynn in Bushy. She said, Christmas television sounds dire. I know, it's all going to be radio. Radio over Christmas. We used to have radio on all the time. I shall have the radio on in the car, mainly because I can't have the television on in the car, because I don't have television in the car. And um, there's one here. This is Richard Littlejohn. I don't often read from Richard Littlejohn's column, but he talks about one in six British households celebrate the American Thanksgiving. He said, no, they don't. No, they don't. He said, it's a clumsy attempt to flog frozen turkeys. Exactly, to get two hits at it. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving, thank you very much indeed. We really don't. LBC News Time. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Uh, Eva says, this morning we got our first snow in Slovakia. Adam has told me, go and tell that to Steve. How lovely. We have no snow, but we have cold temperatures. But I suspect up in, up in the highlands of Scotland, they will be having a bit, of, uh, a bit of snow. I expect to see photographs of snow, if you have. It's no good sending me in last year's pictures of snow, because I, I'm wise to things like that. But uh, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. But the trouble is, when you, when you get snow, Eva, everybody is very geared up for it. It's only over here where we've got no idea. The snow comes down and we go, what do we do? What do we do? It's terrible. Um, Andrew says, I'm surprised that Kendra and Edwina argued. I thought they were going to bond over a common interest. Sleeping with pensioners. <laughs> yes, I suppose you could do that one. Uh, Steve, green tea helps stabilise sugar levels. I can't bear. I really can't bear, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, are people still watching I'm a Celeb? Has to be the worst reality bore fest out there. Not even Anton Deck can save it. Yes. And uh, somebody here called Samantha who says uh, tonsillectomy is worse than, worse than tonsillitis. Nearly a month now and I still can't eat properly. I'm very hungry. Bring on Mum's Christmas dinner. You could have it uh, liquidised, couldn't you, I suppose? that make it any easier? I can remember when you, when you do have a problem with your throat, and I've only had it on a few occasions... Um, ice cream is always the thing, isn't it? Because it's, it sort of soothes. It soothes. My poor friend, at the moment, I won't name her because I know that she's got friends who listen to the programme, but she, her father is, is dying at the moment. And um, he stopped drinking, he stopped eating and everything else, and it's merely a matter of time. But uh, being, being stoic and obviously being made of sterner stuff, he's sleeping, he's in, a, he's in a deep sleep at the moment, probably because of all the medication, but he's still going. He's 92, for goodness sake. And she said it will be a blessed relief when finally he lets go. But at the moment, this is about day number three, where they've said, you know, well, we don't think much longer, but he's still clinging on. Still clinging on. Um, there is a story in all the papers today. Ollie Mann spoke about it last night. And you have to understand it to realise what it is. It's a man called Eddie, who is going to appear on Channel 4 tonight, and he is going to admit... He's, uh, he's 39, that he is attracted to four-year-old girls. Now, he hasn't done anything with anybody at all. He's just talking about an addiction. And Channel 4 has been criticised by victim support campaigners for giving airtime to him and encourage him, encouraging him to discuss his urges. 
The National Association for People Abused in Childhood said victims would be offended by the film and said it should have been devoted uh, to resources and helping people who've been abused as children. But this is not what this programme is. The NSPCC has praised the programme for shining a light on the need to treat paedophiles before they abuse children or view underage pornography. In The Paedophile Next Door, a series of experts argue that men like Eddie, who claims he's never offended and who has no criminal record, should not be treated like evil monsters. They say they should be given more support to help them control their urges. They uh, persuaded Eddie, who didn't give his surname, to talk openly about his own experiences despite the risk of reprisals. He doesn't need to give his surname. I mean, you, if he was your next-door neighbour, you'd know it was him straight away. So people will know. He realised that he was a paedophile in his mid-twenties. He says, it's not the only thing I am, but it plays a large part in the makeup of who I am as a person. The show's makers said police have no record of Eddie having been convicted, and he insisted he had never abused a child. He said, a lot of people automatically assume that because I think or feel that way, that I'm potentially going to abuse a child. I certainly don't want to do that kind of thing. And he suggested it's easier for him not to act on any urges as he's attracted to women of all ages. It's going to be quite a controversial programme, but because it's got the backing of the NSPCC, it gives it some sort of credibility. Um, the documentary also interviews... Uh, Ian McFadden, who was abused at the Caldicott prep school in the 1960s and 70s, while a contemporary of Nick Clegg, Mr McFadden, says, I'm not here to defend paedophiles, but he's not committed a crime. It's going to be... A lot of people are going to be watching this just out of curiosity. John Brown from the NSPCC says the film was fantastic and that paedophilia is a public health problem that needs to be addressed by treating potential offenders as well as punishing them after an offence. He says there are around, in the UK, 250,000 paedophiles. And he predicted many will contact helplines after seeing the film. Eddie's gone to Europe to be treated by a support group that helps paedophiles control their urges. It's interesting. People are, people are probably going to say... You know, why isn't this guy locked up? We should kill him. People are just waiting for you to offend before they help you. If you don't have that kind of help, if you don't have the option to come forward and say, look, I've got a problem, I need help, then what are you changing? You're changing nothing. Peter Saunders, who's uh, from the National Association for People Abused in Childhood, uh, takes the opposing view, and he says the documentary shines the light in the wrong areas. Instead of feeling sorry for poor, misunderstood paedophiles, we should be looking at the awful experiences of those who've been abused. But this isn't about that programme. This is about somebody who hasn't actually done anything. You know, I'm sure you could make another programme, Mr Saunders, which would highlight that side of it, but this programme doesn't do that. This is looking at a paedophile who is saying that he's attracted to girls as young as four. I mean, frankly, most of us can't get our heads around that. You probably wouldn't understand it. I don't understand it. But there again, there's loads of things I don't understand. I really don't. That, that would just be one of thousands of things. I don't understand people with fetishes. You know, people attracted to rubber or, you know, or linen or just all sorts of strange things. People are attracted by feet. There's all sorts of things out there. And they say that paedophilia should be treated like that. That's why he's gone to Europe, to get some sort of treatment. He doesn't want to go and abuse anybody and has no intention of doing it. He's just saying that he's attracted to girls of four years old. 84850, steve at Susan says, I hope you keep your car boot locked when driving around. Yes. <laughs> well, in fact, it locks automatically. I don't, uh, I don't worry about it too much. 
Uh, and Lynn says, am I right to stave off diabetes? I have to sleep naked after a vegetarian supper, which includes a yoghurt. Yes. That's, ex- that's exactly what it is. If you're not, if you are diabetic, that does not apply to you at all. It's only for people who might be in danger of becoming a diabetic. Uh, wrong to diffuse, says Pete, the traditional songs of praise format into one they imagine will appeal to all. It will appeal to nobody. Better to have full service from all the religions, one every week, which may prove interesting and demystify people's otherwise alien beliefs. They always used to, every so often, they would put on a gospel version of Songs of Praise, and that used to get people writing in saying, oh, this is fantastic, this is great fun. You don't want it every week. I think you're right. Each week there should be a different sort of Songs of Praise to reflect what what people see in a church. Some people go to church for religious reasons. Some people go for completely different reasons. Some people go for salvation. Some people just go at Christmas. Some people don't go at all, but yet profess to being Christian. You could be Christian and not go to a church. Most people go there for the camaraderie and the warmth and the, and the fact it's like having a big sort of big blanket all the way around you to keep you from harm. That's the way it looks. I don't believe that having a, a programme on the television makes any difference. I mean, I suppose for the elderly who can't get out, it's quite nice to see the hymns and I like the words coming up. I don't think they should change it, though. I don't think you should change just for change's sake. But some people do. Uh, A lot of people really now thinking that I've got something going with Gemma Collins. I really promise you absolutely nothing. I promise you nothing. However, just to really ruin your day, the woman who had her breasts enlarged on the NHS, the ghastly Josie Cunningham, has managed to swap her Leeds Council Terrace house. This is after she worked as a prostitute and had another baby and uh, has been on the television. This morning put any of these, uh, the dregs of society in there. She's now been given a three-bedroom semi in the village of West Ardsley in Yorkshire. She's also reported to have a £3,500 kitchen and a 2000 bathroom installed, but it's unclear who paid for them. Well, I'm assuming it's her because she's made some money. I mean, to be honest with you, I really don't think that somebody who sponges off the state has a right to anything at all. Uh, it's thought she has to be moved for fear of Twitter trolls tracking her down. You don't think they're going to know where the village of West Ardsley in Yorkshire is then, do you? You're really not bright at all. But uh, she's incurred the wrath of her new neighbours. Barmaid Jane Watkins says it's a nice area. Hope she doesn't bring the neighbourhood down. While Becky Hodgson says she claims to be this big businesswoman, so why can't she provide for her own family? Well, she's useless, that's why. <laughs> you know, these pe- you're going to see it all the time. You're going to see more and more of these people. And then they get publicity in the papers because the papers latch on to these sort of people. They're, they're, it's designed to wind you up. You remember there was talk of her going to the jungle and she said she would abort a child to get into the jungle. I don't believe she ever said that. She's just a silly person without a brain. You know, you're better stickering in the Wizard of Oz than sort of worrying about whether or not she's anything to worry about. But they have shelf life. All these people have shelf life. White D's shelf life has collapsed now. So expect her to go back to the depression and the benefits anytime soon. Because once the money stops coming in, and you'll always find an agent who will take somebody on, because it's a, it's a way of making money very quickly, but they have shelf life. They have shelf life. And uh, I think many of them, it's it's now short shelf life. I do like the... The story, which I'll bring in a moment, of the two nights in jail for the wife who hit her husband in a TV row over Foyle's war. And for some reason, the police were called. So she was carted off to prison for two nights. It could, it's a really very odd story. And typing on tablets can be a pain in the neck. Plus, who's made the most money out of the Top Gear boys? The Top Gear, is it Richard Hammond? Is it James May? Or is it Jeremy Clarkson? 
Details coming up very shortly. It's an interesting story because it, it gives you a breakdown on what they've earned and how much they can make. And believe you me, I really wished I'd learnt about petrol heading and doing things like that. Or failing that, I wish I'd learnt to be a plumber. Could have saved an awful lot of time and trouble, couldn't it? Bye. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. 12 minutes to 6. It's a cold morning. It is cold. It is cold. The only good thing about trains being crowded is that you can lean up against the perfect stranger and keep yourself warm for the journey, because it's... I mean, at least it's not raining. At least it's not raining. In fact, I was just going to bring you the uh, the weather then, just to let you know very quickly. So you're going to get... Oh, here we go. Rain spreading northwards today. I'm so sorry, people in the north listening to the programme. It will feel cold. It's currently one centigrade. It does feel like one centigrade. It'll climb to the dizzy heights of eight. Eight degrees centigrade or Celsius. Clear skies, frost... Patchy, freezing fog for many places. Do take care on the motorways, please. However, cloudy conditions already across the far south of the region will spread north to all areas. Outbreaks of rain this afternoon, feeling cold everywhere tonight. Cloudy, mist, hill fog, widespread. As the outbreak of rain continues, some heavier bursts of rain are possible. And for tomorrow, here we go. Let's see if we can offer you a crumb of comfort for Wednesday. No. Overcast and dull with hill fog and outbreaks of rain. Highest temperatures across the south. Most places feeling rather cold as the temperature remains slightly below the seasonal average. And Thursday running through Sunday. Thursday cloud and patchy rain gradually clearing, then dry and brighter. Friday windy and mainly dry, bright or sunny spells. Saturday breezy, often cloudy, but also some bright spells. Either way, it's a bit, a bit mizzy out there on the motorways. As Andy McCall said a moment ago, just remember to scrape your windscreen. Don't pour boiling water on it, please. There's nothing worse. Easiest thing to do before you go to bed, if you've got to drive or it's in a car park, just put some cardboard over the windscreen, because that, generally that will sort of keep it clear, won't it? Or people put a, an, old, an old towel or something over there and then just peel it off. So at least, you know, if you've got a heavy frost going on, you can at least drive and reverse out. Otherwise you've got a bit of, bit of a disaster going on. Uh, completely agree with you, says Kevin in Sheffield, about motor racing. I don't understand all the hype. For me, it's scale extra for millionaires, for multi-millionaires. As for the sports personality of the year, surely the clue is in the title, personality. Looking at the nominees, must have been a very dull year for sport. Yes, I mean, there's not a lot to choose between them, is there, really? Six, I didn't know, I didn't know half of them, which was a shame. Uh, 84850, uh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, one here from uh, John, who says, Hope all is well. Three huge great white sharks caught off Bondi Beach this week. Apparently they do prefer English swimmers. Better quality of meat. Do you know, the funny thing is, so if these white, great white sharks have been caught, why have they been caught? Why have they been caught? And they're not doing anything, are they? Occasionally, occasionally, a great white will... Uh, they don't seem to have any predators. I'm not sure if they do have predators, but I suspect they might not have. Um, comes out of the sea and takes a surfer or a swimmer or somebody like that. What? What's the matter? And so, we are their, their, their predators. Because they then sort of take three huge great white sharks. Why, why would we have to do that? Can't we just leave them there? Otherwise, we might as well go and take every crocodile out of every river. That'd please the wildebeest, wouldn't it? Poor wildebeest, who every year at exactly the same time set off across the river. There's over a million of them. Huge stampede, and they got across the river and lying in wait for them are the crocodiles. And the crocodiles just sit there doing their nails, going, any minute now. And they all crowd down the bank, and then the first one tentatively takes the first leap into the water, and basically the crocodiles just take their time. There's no particular rush 
in taking a wildebeest, and sometimes wildebeests go, phew, thank goodness I wasn't there, because they just grab them and drag them under. You'd think, actually, the wildebeest would be more intelligent, going, let's do it a week early, because they're not going to be there, are they? Um, um, Manuel, I shall pass that on to Nick Ferrari. I'm sure that, uh, as he's going to be doing um, Lee Rigby today, that'll be very pertinent. Uh, 84850, Steve at the bags are 5p. Usage has dropped by 90%, says Ian. In Scotland, it's 5p. Down here, well, you can buy a 9p or a 10p. They can't make up their minds in Marks and Spencers. One day, the, the, the 10p bag is 5p, and then the week later, it goes up to 9p, and then they just put it up to 10p, and then it went down to 9p the other day, and up to 10p yesterday. I can't keep up with it. It's quite quite ridiculous. 93 degrees says Paul in Bangkok at the moment and getting hotter every day. Five months now to look forward to without rain. Oh, come here. We've got loads of it. You can come and come and share some of our rain. <laughs> we always enjoy the rain. 84850 steve at uk. Um, two nights in jail for the wife who biffed her husband. Um, which is ever so funny. This is Irene Clark and her husband Richard who were astonished when four police officers turned up at their front door. They were horrified when Mrs Clark, 65, was arrested and led away because she'd swiped at her husband with a magazine during their row. The grandmother spent two nights in a police cell and now has a criminal record after a neighbour reported the domestic incident. Yesterday, Mr Clark says, It was a total overreaction. I didn't consider myself being a victim for getting biffed over the head with a magazine after an argument over a TV programme. They'd been married for 14 years. And had the row because Mrs Clark wanted to watch Foil's War, starring Michael Kitchen on ITV1, and Richard wanted to see some plain programmes. And, um, and the, the magazine wasn't even folded, which is, which is absolutely hilarious. And so, consequently, you know, she, she gets carted off. A Crown Office and Procurer, Procurator Fiscal Service spokesman said, domestic abuse is never trivial and our prosecutors take it extremely seriously. She hit him over the head with a magazine. Get over yourselves. It wasn't domestic abuse or anything like that. They don't think it was domestic abuse. It was just a bit of fun. But some nosy old neighbour, ooh dear, some nosy old neighbour decided to interfere. Two days in the cell. Uh, Lorraine, says Neil, got her poppy from the tower. Very nicely presented. Something to pass on to our grandson, Teddy, when he's older. Yes, I mean, you all know that you're only one of, what is it, 888,644 or whatever it is. But uh, that's good. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, 84850. Judith. Twice in one morning. Just heard your comments about women quiz masters. I always worry because somebody's going to go, oh, we've had successful. Well, we haven't. We really haven't. Melanie Sykes was a total failure on the television. People were turning off in their droves. There's something about, because the majority of people who watch quizzes are women. Women love quizzes on the television, but they don't like watching other women present them. And Miranda, who is just not funny at all. I know. I find the same with Jack Whitehall. I watch Jack Whitehall. I just can't understand. He's just not funny. You know, there's just nothing there. But he's got his sort of, his, his chat show coming back, which he did with his father, who looked like he'd been dug up from the local cemetery. And they sort of sat there. And there was nothing more embarrassing than watching father and son both dying at the same time. But, says Judith, have you seen the ghastly Sandy Toxfic on 15 to 1? Well, um... <laughs> 
<laughs> I have to confess to be having a vested interest. I do like Sandy Toxic. She does look a little bit like you, Virginie Dotefeyer, from uh, from Mrs. Doubtfire, because she's got this. They've they've sort of some reason blow dried her hair upwards, and it's not it's not the Sandy that I've known for years. She has a voice like a lorry driver with outfits to match. And, um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, she seems to do that to people. I love her on QI. Absolutely love her on QI. I think she's just, she's terribly funny on QI. And she's intelligent with it. You see, I'm actually funny, but I don't have the intelligence that goes with it. But I think I bluff through quite well. I think I'm quite good at that, actually. I think I'm very good at bluffing. Seeing as I, for two years, did a sports programme on LBC, which always comes as a bit of a shock to people. They always go, you did a sports programme? I said, I certainly did. Certainly did. And very good at it, I was. Very good, because I, I discovered that, you know, if you were going to talk about uh, Satmir Nasri, for example, uh, warning that the future of Man City stars and their manager, Pellegrini, are at stake, to, you know, then I, I could talk about that with some confidence. I can also talk about Nathaniel, Nathaniel uh, Klein as well. I could talk about all sorts of things. Liverpool Rogers, a job definitely safe there. So I can talk about anything and I can bluff it out for as long as I, as, as long as I choose. I don't know anything. At the end of it, somebody has ever said to me, you know, well, so, so what do you know about sport? I said, well, you can write it on a grain of sand. I'm not particularly good at sport. I can do sport and, and I, understand, so I understand what I like and motor racing is not on the list. I'm not remotely interested in motor racing. Horse racing I can just about tolerate. But even then... It's it's a bit it's a bit thin on the ground, I'm afraid. We have been to some LBC sponsored race events at race courses, and the only thing that struck me was how tiny racehorses are. They look like My Little Pony without the coloured manes. They're little tiny things. Jockeys are little, you know. I mean, you could get twenty in one of my carrier bags. Jockeys because they're tiny little people. They're like the borrowers. And you go down to watch racing, and I don't, again, I don't understand that. And I watch it on the television, but then I don't understand. I mean, swimming on the television kind of leaves me a bit cold. Bowls on the television. Darts. The ultimate boring thing. I mean, it's the most awful thing ever. I can understand people wanting to watch American football and to watch football matches. Yeah, big up American football. Uh, Because I I love watching the camera on the American football shows because it goes backwards and forwards on wires across the thing. And the Americans do American football big and they have the big marching bands. I think actually one of the biggest ones is in Ohio, which is very much in the news at the moment. You can probably find them on YouTube. I think if you type in best marching band in the world, I think you'll find it's Ohio, and they are brilliant. Brilliant. But the Americans take it much more seriously. They have full entertainment. I've never seen a football match in this country. Never wanted to. I just can't imagine actually going to... I've never seen a rugby game. Never wanted to. I can't think of anything worse than sort of standing there going, yeah, yeah, show it, throw the ball, kick it, do whatever you want with it. I just lose the will to live. But I'm afraid when it comes to, to motor racing, you know, Lewis Hamilton, who's a very ordinary little person, you know, very sweet, very sweet. can't remember if I've ever spoken to a racing driver before. I might have done. But it's just a case of, I just don't understand it. It just leaves me cold. But there again, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, Jason says, have you ever had a crisp sandwich? Not that common. I wouldn't have a crisp sandwich, no. I've eaten crisps before. I've had crisp with... I'll tell you what, crisp with salad cream is particularly nice. <laughs> Again, just me, out on a limb. Nobody seems to like things. And you mentioned Thousand Island dressing, and people visibly curl up and die. Still to come, Jack Frost brings in the winter. It's only 30 minutes of the programme remaining. It is cold today. You know, it's, it's a case of gloves and a scarf. I bet I'll see somebody on the train with a short-sleeved shirt on and no coat. And you look at them and you think, it's, you're going to freeze to death out there. Uh, over 40. You can't have a mortgage. 
And if you sleep naked, you could cut your risk of diabetes. Uh, Brooklyn Beckham's been given an earring. They took him into a shop and he had it done, which was lovely. The Maggie cops ignored the lake tip-off. I'll tell you about that story in a moment. The sports personality of the year, the clue being, of course, in the word personality, of which we've worked out there aren't any at all. And could you be a snooper to help the government? I think you could be. I'll tell you how, after the news on LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a pretty nice heavy company. Welcome on to a freezing cold Tuesday. I don't know where you are in the country. If we're up in Scotland, it must be, oh dear, even colder than it is down here. Terrible. And it's going to get worse. They say we could hit temperatures as low as minus four degrees by the end of the week. Doesn't sound promising, does it? But it's nice to have your company to LBC this morning. Very shortly, you better collect your Amazon parcels at the post office. You can do it in various other places. You can nominate where you can go and collect your parcel from. They give you a sort of a list of, you know, you either have it delivered to here. Most people have them delivered to work. I rely on Courtney very much for this and everybody else here. The, uh, the Maddie cops ignored the lake tip-off. I won't believe this story. I'll bring it to you in a moment. The lady in the lake, the body, the first pathology pictures. Not a good story. And we'll do the front pages for you, just so you know exactly where you're coming from, and we'll give you the rundown on what Nick Ferrari's got coming up. Don't forget, this coming weekend for In Conversation, on Sunday morning between 5 and 6, and I'm here live between 6 and 8. This week, it's two of the ladies. Yes, it's Sarah Millican, who's got a new comedy DVD out, and Nadia Sawala, who I know will be listening to the programme at the moment. She's got a cookbook out. She'll be going, good Lord, how long ago was that we did it? It was ages ago. Seriously, I've got so many fabulous celebrities sitting in the can, but because it was a book, I thought we could hold it. And now it seems right. This, this is the book for the, uh, for the Christmas stocking. And it's such a... We just laugh in the interview. I spent most of my time in the last few weeks just laughing in interviews. I don't know. It's not normal, is it? Not normal. Front pages of the papers. Uh, front of the Daily Express today, the coronation star Simon Gregg says, now I realise depression can strike anybody. He's another one. He's been in it since he was a child. And depression has got in because you get into a mindset. Some people are obviously susceptible to depression and some people obviously aren't. I don't get depressed. But on the, the, the other hand, this morning, the producer said to me, oh, I've got a migraine. And he was suffering with it quite badly. And I said, you know, I don't even get headaches. I really do not get headaches. I I can't remember the last time I had a headache. Perhaps I'm just one of those lucky people. Uh, There's a a girl in the paper today. She's 17. She's run off to join the war on insurgents. And she said, don't worry about me. Now there's a crack in this glass walkway uh, on Tower Bridge, 138 feet up. That sounds a bit worrying, doesn't it? That, That was just somebody dropping a bottle on it. It's blimey, if you can drop a bottle on it and things go a bit pear-shaped, can you imagine if you jumped up and down? Don't, incidentally. They'll have to replace a piece of uh, glass. But you'd think they'd have been prepared for something. It's supposed to be quite thick, isn't it? It's now made me even more worried about the thing. Uh, over 40, you can't have a mortgage. Lenders are rejecting borrowers who will still be paying off the loan in retirement. They don't want that uh, now, so you're too old if you're over 40. God, blimey. Let's me think it was in your 80s and something like that. But no, 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 in your 40s now, you are considered too old. Doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Sun this morning, uh, boozy 110 mile an hour, Sado nicked. 
And uh, there's another story on the front page of The Sun, which I'm sure you'll find mildly amusing. And you can find out that for yourself a little bit later on. Uh, the Daily Star, they've got the meltdown in the jungle, as now a third star is set to quit. This could be Michael Burke. This is a man who's, who's been awful about the programme in the past, but then had to sort of take the golden shilling. And uh, Angry Dad, Richard Ritchie, in other words, Richie Rich... Did you ever see that film with Macaulay Culkin? I thought that was quite a good little film, actually. I thought it was very silly, but anyway, nevertheless. But uh, Richard Ritchie says his X Factor reject son Stevie will end up richer than Wayne Rooney. Obviously, like father, like son, both barking mad, I should imagine. What, more than £300,000 a week? Good God, I don't think that's very likely at all. Poor old uh, Stevie. Richie, whatever his name is, I don't think there's any chance of him ever being richer. The, the reason that the fathers jumped on the bandwagon is apparently because Wayne Rooney was campaigning to get Stevie axed from the programme. Which seems fair enough, doesn't it? I mean, I do that all the time. And so now his father's jumped in, and uh, his, he's got a wife called Anne, and he said, my son will be bigger. Well, he can't sing for Toffee. I mean, let's not waste our time, shall we? This is a singing programme. And his, his claim to fame was he bedded that Chloe what's-her-face... And that's it. Retired bank manager Richard was left fuming after Wayne Rooney moaned on Twitter about good singers going while Stevie stayed in the competition. <laughs> that seems fair enough. You know, everybody's entitled to an opinion. Thank goodness. And so he says, my Stevie will be richer than Rue. No, he won't be. Well, he might be if you were the bank manager, but as you're a retired bank manager, definitely not. Um, Brucey, host from Christmas Past. This is the BBC bosses ridicule for making Bruce Forsyth their Christmas star. He's going to host a Christmas Day Strictly special with Tess Daly. Oh, Lord. And will star in Bruce's Hall of Fame. They hope to trounce all comers in the holiday ratings. Now, you know, that's the best that they can get. I mean, Christmas ruined, a lot of people have said. Uh, John Bishop. Can't bear him. Uh, Michael McIntyre, absolutely love. But the, uh, the Brucey thing... They did promise that when he left the programme. They did say we could actually give you some specials. And no doubt, and let me make a prediction, that this must be in the can already. There'll be one bit and then they'll tack another bit on. And I bet you anything, Bruce will do some tap dancing and Bruce will play the piano. That's only a prediction now. Don't say I didn't tell you. It's the story on the front of the Daily Mirror that's got a lot of people very interested. Uh, the Maddy Cops ignored the lake tip-off. This is Portuguese police who were handed a note claiming that Madeleine McCann was dumped in a vast lake, but it was said that they never searched it. The letter was found in May by a handyman at the Algarve apartment where she vanished a year earlier. It claimed to have the location of her final resting place. Now, I don't know, but I'm assuming that the police, judging by what they were saying last time when they went from this country over to Portugal, they're looking for a body. That's what they, they took sniffer dogs over there. They must be fairly certain they're looking for something. They can't look up any trails left for them to sort of pick up on now. So that would be quite interesting. And so they searched the woodland, but they didn't search the lake. The letter claims that Madeline lies in murky water. So are they going to now drain the lake? Are they going to take divers down? I don't know what facilities they've got in Portugal. They don't seem to be particularly up to speed, do they? Theresa May is being asked for new funds to find Ben Needham, who's been missing for 23 years. 
Ben disappeared on the Greek island of Kos when he was two. His grand Christine says it was unfair. No funding had been given to the South Yorkshire police to assist the Greek investigation when £7 million had been spent on Madeleine McCann's. What I said at the time. There are thousands of children that go missing every year. Even if you bring it down to 20 or 30 children, nobody knows anything about them. You don't know, you don't know who they are. You don't know where they've gone to. Yet you all know about Madeleine McCann. Because we've spent £7 million and we're no nearer. You know, it's, we, we could be in Timbuktu, ladies and gentlemen. They're now... Cla- you know, there's all sorts of things. Somebody claims they saw somebody who looked like Madeleine McCann. So, again, they go rushing over there. They all amount to nothing. They've searched the drains. They've searched the pipework. They've brought in satellite tracking. They've done just about everything, apart from sort of praying and asking, where is she? And here's Ben Needham's family saying, we've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why is it so different from us? He was only two years old. Madeleine McCann was, what, about two to three? Same sort of thing, and yet nothing for poor old Ben Needham's family. You have to ask, it's a little bit one-sided, isn't it? A little bit one-sided. More on the jungle in all the papers today. And, strangely enough, a story of a dance coach uh, who had sex with two girls aged 15 has been spared jail. John Brony, 22, dated them at the same time and had sex with one of them when she stayed overnight. One girl's parents let them be together if there was no sex until she was ready. A little bit liberating nowadays. But police were called when the other girl's mum found a naked photo the teen had taken of herself. Neither girl knew of the other and felt tricked when they found out. The judge said that Brony exploited his friendship with the girls but had their fulsome consent. So that's all right then. And so he's admitted sexual activity with a child and was given a three-year community order, a five-year sexual offences prevention order as well. So you have sex with a 15-year-old and it's seen as... um, exploiting the girl, uh, so sexual activity with a child. At 15, you're a child, then magically you turn 16, and then you become an adult. Happens fairly quickly, doesn't it, really? So that's in the uh, papers today. Uh, Graham Norton said, I'd, I'd, I could have been a doctor. Harry Hill was a doctor. Harry Hill was a doctor, but I think he enjoys very much uh, being, being the person on the television. Is there any chance of any of his programmes coming back on the telly? No. There isn't. Quite categorically, no. One Direction have got another award. Might just hand them an award for just being fabulous. Uh, This was in America. And uh, they all look as miserable as sin. It's about the first time we've seen them standing there looking so fed up with the whole thing. But that's, that's where you make your money. If you want to be successful, they're not going to make the sort of money here that they're going to make in America and when they tour the world. That's why. They've probably got just about another album in them. I think it might be a little bit touch and go. And then they can all go off and do their own thing. And then we wait and see. Spot the difference. It's the riff-off. It's the drive of choice for Victoria Beckham and Kim Kardashian and recently clocked up the best sales performance in 60 years. So in a land where you can buy a fake iPhone and fake Rolex, is it any surprise you can now buy a fake Range Rover? Yes, they've done a looky-likey here. The difference is the British-made Range Rover Evoque is £40,000. The China version which is called the Landwind X7, sells for, and it does look identical. Seriously, it looks identical. 14,000. Hope they start bringing them over here as soon as possible. 14,000. So much better, isn't it? So much better. And, um, and then there's more on Kendra crying after a rumble in the jungle and somebody pinched her socks. As we say, in show business, Kendra who? Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20. Brr. Mark says, why do they call it rush hour? Nothing moves. 
I know. But the trouble is in London, I remember asking somebody years ago, they used to say, I used to say, when does rush hour start? And they went, all day. We don't actually have a specific time when the roads get worse. It's bad all the time. So it's all day rush hour. It, in fact, even as I speak at all the main stations, there will be people pouring off trains. So rush hour effectively is now. Uh, everybody be queuing up for their double sausage and egg McMuffins and things like that. Uh, Debbie says, I met Nadia a couple of weeks ago at the Children with Cancer Ball. She was lovely. Had my photo done with her. Such a good night and raised loads of money. Yeah, she's lovely. We, we laughed all the way through. But there again, every time she comes in, I laugh with her. I can't help it. It's obviously some, some inability. I've got to have a sensible conversation with anybody. Harry Hill, we have the most bizarre conversation. But you'll think it's hilarious. Seriously. I mean, it's, it, was, it was so funny. I left the studio. Every time I leave the studio now, I sort of I go out either with aches and pains... Because I'm so tired of laughing all the way. Through. I'm not complaining. I do. I do like laughing actually during the interviews, and it's always with the, with the best people. David says Eleanor Noakes has the best sounding name ever. Yep. And somebody says, "Excuse me, Gemma Collins on I'm a Celebrity." I thought it was Vicky Pollard. It was a little bit. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but wasn't it? Uh, One Direction. How is it that they're on the pop rich list? They've only got forty eight million between them. That's got to be each, surely. No, no, 48 million between them. They don't have 48 million each. I think they were they were down to... I can't remember what it was, actually. So there's five of them. I can't work it out myself. Six, five to 30. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't have as much as you think they have. They certainly have enough, but they're working them very hard, so that's why. But no, 48 million for all of them. I think, I think the record company will be doing uh, a lot better. A lot better. Uh, very quickly, some of the other stories which were in the uh, the papers for today. The Amazon parcels at the at the post office, I think, is is quite a brilliant idea. Uh, I'm not sure about the sleeping sleeping naked, cutting the risk of diabetes. The Channel Four film is on tonight at nine o'clock. Uh, Brooklyn Beckham and his earring. What is it about boys and earrings? I don't know. It's always seen as being sort of a very strange thing. You sometimes see uh, little little children, you know, 10, 11-year-olds with earrings. Doesn't look so great. Strictly uh, rejects Steve Backshall, which is he could have uh, danced with Anton Dubeck as opposed to Ola. I told you they didn't get on. It was all just done for the television. That's OK. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Graham Norton says, if I was good, I'd be a doctor. Uh, Dustin... Hoffman taking a shine to Dame Judi Dench, as indeed everybody does. Everybody loves Dame Judi Dench, don't they? Uh, another one here. Oh, this is the uh, the Christmas offerings, the Battle of the Soaps. You've got Coronation Street, EastEnders, Emmerdale. Uh, plus, you'll have Text Santa. I believe that the uh, Strictly Come Dancing Christmas one is being filmed on Monday. Um, and you do have Strictly Come Dancing. And they're bringing back Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Lisa Riley, Rachel Stevens. Chris Hollins, very irritating. Uh, Lewis Smith, very naughty. And uh, Russell Grant will just be very funny. Um, they've also got, uh, on Angel Wings, the Miranda Christmas special. I can't get it. I just don't get it. But there we go. I don't get motor racing, do I? Call the midwife. Oh, God, you've got two doses. Uh, the Bake Off Christmas Masterclass and Map and Lucia. Nothing very festive, is it, really? Nothing that you can sort of say to yourself, that really is going to be the festive offering. I remember the time you turned on the telly over Christmas and it was one show after another. Uh, Chesar is a lover of nurture. The star protects recruits from pressure. This is a woman who can't actually protect herself from it. The, uh, the glass walkway at Tower Bridge smashed after somebody dropped a beer bottle on it. That's a bit frightening, isn't it? And uh, does the lady in the lake hold one last secret? Murdered Carol's body shown for the first time as evidence is reviewed. I'll let you read that in the papers today. 
there's also the naughty Premiership footballers who don't bother responding to anybody who says, listen, you know, here's a stamped addressed envelope. Can you put a signed picture in it for me? They don't even bother. Perhaps they can't read. Perhaps they can't read. And Google has been slammed for allowing people to download a game in which player shoots gay men dead. The app called Hunter was condemned yesterday and the internet giant removed it from an online store amid the outrage. I've never anything like it in my entire life. Silly old Google. Silly old Google. And who's this? Uh, a record breaker, Ron. I've been married eight times, but I've only just found the love of my life. Well, that's sort of, you know, the Elizabeth Taylor mark, isn't it, really? Uh, on the subject of the jungle, is Michael Burke going to walk? Do you care? I have to ask that because, to be honest with you, most of you tend not to care. Uh, and there is more on on the TV programmes. The world's most inspiring women. Uh, this uh, festival park fiasco... And the more they try and sort of say we're going to do something about it, the more it seems to upset parents. It's funny how we want to go to a winter, winter wonderland thing, a themed park which has got real reindeer. We saw it the other year, didn't we, with two so-called farmers. And that was the biggest disaster ever. People were saying, this is absolute rubbish. People think that if you open something up and, um, and, you, and you call it Christmas, then people flock there. And I suppose certain people do flock there. Oh, who was the richest? I forgot to tell you. Out of the Top Gear people, it's Jeremy Clarkson. 30 million, they reckon. They think that Richard Hammond's got about 15 million and James May is worth 10 million. Makes you feel better about yourself, doesn't it, really? I wonder if they worry about buying Christmas presents and paying bills or doing invoices if you're a self-employed person. Listen, that's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. It's been uh, good fun, as always. Uh, We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Wrap-up warm today, it really is. It's a bit bit nippy out there. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. We have an LBC app. It's on lbc.co.uk. Or there's TuneIn Radio 2, and if you missed any of today's show, there's the podcast service. Coming up at 7, Nick Ferrari and the team, but next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.